brought to you by the world-famous Hustler Casino in Los Angeles, California, and PokerRags.us. This is Sessions, Season 6, The Final Chapter. Can we go from rock bottom, buried in debt, homeless, and in desperate need of therapy, all the way back to flush, simply by never giving up, no matter what? I don't know, but this is the year we find out, so buckle up for one last ride. Week 50 of 50, leave the fat lady alone. The session. Last, the Patrons heard in the private 70-minute drop I published yesterday. Stress took me to a crazy place, a violent place, a disturbing place. So disturbing that some longtime Patrons dropped like flies. And that's obviously everyone's prerogative. To listen to this podcast in all its guts, glory, beauty, and darkness, or not. Just a quick listener note, though. I actually have no prerogative when it comes to telling the story. I can't choose for it to be any sort of way. It's just always going to be what I feel inside, what I see, and my forever battle against all the nits in the world. So I went into Max Payne Monday, December 11th, not ready to play mentally. In addition to what that stress did, I was insanely busy, as always, and on a time crunch. I think I published, or I stopped recording with less than 90 minutes until I had to be on stage, and... I got a 30-minute commute, and I had to publish it. Uh, that drop, the lead-up, the, the private one, the, the one the Patrons got um, yesterday. And then, you know, shower, get dressed. And I also had to stop by the bank before I went to Hustler. And when I got to Hustler, I needed to eat before I went on stage. And why did I have to go to the bank? Because I wanted to get all my money out so I could pay off a loan that I both couldn't really afford to pay off financially, and couldn't really afford to not pay off spiritually. So yeah, when I sat down in the two-seat last night, I was basically the opposite of Tommy Angelo sitting down for a poker session. You know what? That's just the story. Let me take a sip of this water, and then let's meet the players in the lineup. Seat one, Crazy Drew. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, you know about Crazy Drew. Cool guy, wealthy guy. He's been on a, a major winning streak on our show, and he's not the loosest player, but he gives action, and he's funny, and, and he checks a lot of the boxes. Seat two is your protagonist, DGAF, also known as Dragon Man for old school listeners. Um, yeah, I choose the two seat. Or the eighth seat, typically. It's just the best place for someone who's running the game to sit. You can kind of talk to everybody easily. And you can call for Tita or Louie. And you can get up and get people stuff and so on. So I'm in the two typically on Mondays and the eight typically on Thursdays. 
C3 is my buddy, Johnny Steven, someone I met when I started uh, working at The Hustler and working for Hustler Casino Live. And, and we've become buddies. When he's in town, he hits me up and, and we hang out. Uh, just a really good dude. And I do choose where people sit. Crazy Drew loves the one seat. He can see the cards best there and he likes talking to me and he doesn't mind being on my right because uh, he's not playing a bunch of hands. And Johnny, if I were to be a strategic asshole, I would put somewhere to my right. But no, I'm not trying to eke out every bit of EV when I play poker. Nope. I'm trying to eke out every bit of EV in life. And so put Johnny on my left because Drew's on my right. And I want to drink and laugh and have fun with my buddy, even though he can be really tough if he's on your direct left. And um, his brother's Brandon Steven, for those of you who watched Super High Stakes Week. Seat four is Yara, incredibly pleasant, uh, young Chinese woman, doesn't speak English, but has a good sense of humor. You can just tell. And uh, she, she's great. Seat five is DK, the goat. Um, he will only play poker if, I, if I'm there. He'll never play on that stream if I'm not. And I don't need to speak more on this guy. Um, we're celebrating his birthday on this night, even though his birthday was several weeks ago. Yeah, we didn't get around to it till now. Seat six is Shrimp, a newcomer on the scene. Ah, but Shrimp gets it. Shrimp knows this is a show. When I asked Shrimp to do a hype video, he puts some effort into it and he comes up with a good product and that stuff helps. This is a, I guess this is what I bring to the show is character development. I'm a storyteller. That's what a podcaster is, especially one telling his life story for six years. Um, every <laughs> every single day of, of that life. Uh, on, on like a one-week delay, typically. But when I started commentating, I, I wanted to add narratives, whether they were just goofy ones or real ones. I wanted the viewer to get to know the player a little bit. That that makes you more engaged. It makes it more interesting. And then when I started uh, hosting the Monday show and then later the Thursday show, I wanted the players to do stuff, not only to hype up the show, but... To, to let let the viewers meet them before before they got on stage. And, and Shrimp's done a great job, and he's been action, and his table talk is funny. He gets it. He says, this is a, this is a show, and I want to put on a show. And that's why he got another seat so quickly. And there's a lot of demand for, for Max Payne Monday and Thirsty Thursday. Seat seven is Dr. P, true gentleman. He's been running so bad. I imagine most people just... Um, well, if they can't see, some people can't see how bad he's running. And, and I bet many who can choose to look away, if that makes sense. This guy keeps flopping sets and losing the miracles on our show. And not just on Mondays and Thursdays, other nights as well. And I've been there. I've been in the abyss, as I called it in an essay many years ago. I've been there several times and I spent a whole year there. 2017, which coincided with me hitting rock bottom in all ways. And 
I don't need to get into that right now. Just need to tell you that Dr. P is a cool dude, and it's not going to wreck him to run bad in poker, but you can see that it's wearing on him. And he was a last-minute uh, fill-in for Nick Vertucci, who went to Vegas, um, I think, for a Spaces meetup, a Twitter Spaces or X Spaces meetup. Seat 8 is Rocky, a young woman who w was not a ton of action the first time she played, but very pleasant, easy to deal with, and she ran really bad. And if you run really bad, you, you'll get another crack at it sooner than later. And I strive for diversity in my lineups. Um, I don't think there were hardly any women playing before I started uh, setting the lineups. And we had a lot for a while. Sometimes we had more women than men at the table. But there just isn't a ton of women that want to play on our show currently. So we got two. And that's good. I wish I wish it was three. I think three is maybe the magic number. Um, but anyways, that's Rocky. And she flew down from Northern California to play in this game. And she knows how to play. You can tell she's pretty good. Seat nine is Jay. I don't know anything about Jay. Well, I shouldn't say that. I know that Jay is hung like a horse. How do I know that? <laughs> Jay DM'd me and said, do I qualify to play on Max Payne Monday? And I looked, and he has all these viewers. And then I clicked on his X profile and scrolled down a little bit, and he's naked, and he has a giant dick. And I thought about it for two seconds. Yeah, you qualify. You're going to bring new people to our show. You've got a good social media presence, and we'll give you a shot. And um, he also was very easy to deal with. He would send me everything on time. Um, I believe he's, uh, he, well, he's an OnlyFans star. I don't know. I, I didn't check out his OnlyFans, but that's Jay and the Nine. And now the stage has been set for this Max Payne Monday show. And the first hand, Shrimp, goes all in, just like he did the first time he played. The first time he played, he had 9-4 offsuit. This time he has ace-deuce offsuit, and everyone folds, and it gets back to Danny, the last one. And Danny calls with kings and makes a boat. Okay, but here's Shrimp giving up EV in the short term for the long term. Wow, that's mind-blowing, isn't it? You know what? This might lead to Shrimp getting more seats and more exposure, and maybe that'll benefit him in his professional life, or just it'll be very fulfilling for him. Uh, well played, Shrimp. Okay, so I'm going to get involved. Dr. P opens, and I 3-bet ace-5 suited. We're not super deep, but I'm still going to 3-bet this hand. And it'll be awkward if he 4-bets. I don't, I don't know. I might even just fold uh, because we're not deep enough for me to really take advantage of how great that hand is um, post-flop. So no one 3-bets, but uh, other people call. Johnny calls, DK calls, and Dr. P calls. So four ways to the flop. It's king five deuce with a diamond. I have ace five, two diamonds. I opt to continuation bet after the first two of the three opponents check. And Johnny calls. I have middle pair, top kicker, backdoor, straight draw, and flush draw. And DK raises. 
Okay, now, now I just have to fold. We're, we're not even close to deep enough for me to, after Dr. P folds, for me to call. So I have to fold, and I think, I don't think this is a results-oriented. I think a check is better here. Against three opponents, you don't need to be um, continuation, betting, middle pair, even though you, I have all the backdoor draws, and middle pair could be good in this game especially. Um, it, look at my opponents. It's Johnny, DK, and Dr. P. I think I like check better with these stacks. But as mentioned, I'm out of sorts. I'm not ready to play. And when you're not ready to play, you can't really think hands through. A and you kind of play station to station like, oh, equity, maybe best hand, bet. Well, what are you going to do when you get check raised by Danny? You got to fold. He had pocket sevens. And... Yeah, for deeper, obviously I'm calling, but um, my it's not terrible that I bet because I was going to jam a lot of turn cards. I could I could also just win the pot right there and deny equity against hands like you know queen jack and all those nine eight. Um, so it's not terrible that I bet, and I had a the plan was if I turn a diamond um, or you know a three or a four, uh, I'm just going to jam and. Or, you know, if, I've, if I hit a five or an ace, uh, I'm, I'm not a balanced player. I am not going to jam. I'm going to go for value. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to massage the pot if I have it, and I'm going to jam if I don't, and I don't care who hears that. It's, uh, it's how I play live poker, and it works very, very well. But anyway, DK foiled my plan. And then I have seven deuce offsuit. That's the bounty hand, and I get squeezed out. Yara three bets and Rocky four bets, and I'm gonna be folding that there. Not even close to deep enough to entertain the idea of flatting and trying to get freaky post flop. Um, then I play Ace four of spades perfectly against Yara. I call on, I think it was like seven six deuce two hearts, and the turn was she bet, and I thought she might have a heart draw, and I could beat many heart draws, and I was ahead of her her holding, but she did have a heart draw, and the turn was a break, check, check, and the river was a heart, she bet, and I folded. All right, so I only put money in while I was ahead. That's not bad. And then I kind of had a spewy play where I queen eight offsuit and just a multi-way limper, and it comes nine, five, five, rainbow, and Johnny leads out. Okay, he leads out into the field, and... I guess people do lead out with trips more than more than I thought. But I just think sometimes the, the biggest mistake we make at the poker table is think thinking our opponents are thinking like we are. I'm not gonna lie. If I lead out on nine five five rainbow into the field in a limp pot, I'm probably gonna have seven six or eight six or eight seven. I'm probably gonna have it. Maybe I'll have a nine. But against my range, I decided to call with queen eight because I can get freaky here. The pot is small enough that, that we have reasonable stacks behind. And I could have the best hand here. And, and that's just real. And, and when I make the right call against seven, six, um, people say, what the hell are you cheating? And, and well, Johnny had a five. So I called twice. I turned a straight draw. And then the river is a six. So now I lose to all of that range that I would have let out on the flop uh, with. You know, it, it made a straight or two pair, and I just gave up. And he had a five. So early on, I'm a little bit off. 
I just, uh, you know, taking a bunch of baggage with me on stage, thinking about all this shit that's been driving me crazy. And I didn't sleep over the weekend. It, was, it made me that mad. And, you know, the ace five hand, I just didn't feel, it didn't feel great. And this one felt spewy. And Danny, who got the early double up, is taking too long. This is something he used to do, and now he plays faster. But on this day, he's taking too long, posturing every time it's on him. And I'm irritable. Um, you know, he's my buddy, but I'm saying you have to play faster. And then I raise, and Yara defends from the blind. And it comes ace-10-5. I have jack-9. And she just leads, and she leads small. And if I'm on my game at all, I call here. Because people don't lead an ace here. Uh, but she does some things that are, you know, very interesting. And so if there's anyone you can fold, you don't, you know, it's, it's, I think it's an auto float against most. But, you know, you, you don't know with Yara. She's, she's a newer player. But if you just look at it, it's such a small sizing. It's such a weak lead. If I'm not in my own head, I call. And I win the pot. She had pocket threes on ace 10-5. I call a jack nine. She checks the turn. I, I might check back and bet river. Or, um, you know, I might just bet the turn. But I am out of sorts, man. I'm human. Uh, I'm not Tommy Angelo. I, I didn't do four hours of yoga. I didn't study any opponents. I didn't go in in a zen state ready to play my A game. I wanted to play my B game. Typically, I like to play my B minus, but since people made me so mad, I want to play my B, and I'm playing my fucking C minus early on. And this is a worst play candidate. Um, this is this is wild. It was just another like multi way limper or like single raise pot. I had a six offsuit with the ace of spades, and it came seven four three all spades. So I have the nut flush draw. I have a gut shot straight draw. And I have an overcard. And Dr. P leads out. And in my mind, I had a runner, runner. Did I? Flush draw. I had a backdoor flush draw in my mind. But in reality, I actually had the nut flush draw. And I'm good at reading boards. <laughs> I've played a lot of poker. I commentate. I know how to read a board, except when I'm consumed by all this shit that, that's been weighing on me. And so in my mind, I had a gutter plus a backdoor flush draw. But in reality, I had a gutter plus front door nut flush draw. And that's a, that's a hand I could shove. And, you know, just put some pressure on him and play the equity game. Like, yeah, it, it kind of looks, um, if I shove, my hand will kind of look like the nut flush draw, a combo draw. But it could also be two pair or a set or a small flush. And it would just work. But, man, I, I fucking couldn't even figure out what I had. That's how fucked up I was. And so I just called because I, I don't want to jam with just a, a naked gutter. Uh, I was hoping to pick up the nut flush drop, but I already had it. It's crazy. And I guess you could call that my worst play. But no, I'm gonna, I chose another one for that because I'm not going to be hard on myself when I can't even think. And I couldn't early on. And... You know, you got to do some breathing, maybe have a beer, joke around, laugh a, laugh a bit, and then you can maybe start playing some poker. 
anyways, the board bricked out and I just checked back and, you know, I, I didn't, I, I don't know if Dr. P is going to fold to me after I don't jam the flop. So, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I played that hand like a fucking person with no brain. <laughs> and then, um, I, I had deuce four and another like multi-way limper or single raise pot. And it came eight, five deuce. And I checked and the button bet Dr. P and uh, Rocky called from the small blind. And it was a, no, it was definitely a limp pot. And I had four deuce. I had bottom pair. I just jammed because I'm going to have equity against, you know, everyone checks to the button, button bets. They don't seem strong. Small blind calls quickly. That's, it seems like I'm up against a couple one pair of hands at most. No one likes to go broke in, in a limp pot. Um, and, and, you know, I'm going to fold out 7-6. Uh, I think I am because I just jammed over the small bet. And I actually folded out a couple hands that were better than mine. So that play felt okay. It felt like I was playing a little poker there. And then I've bluffed five players. And, you know, this is high risk. It comes king, deuce, deuce, and you just kind of sense no one's got a king, no one's got a deuce, and I have seven four offsuit. And I'm just going to bet here, and, and I'm going to win, you know, seven hundred bucks or something. Those are good, and I get seven five suited in a multi way bloater. I flop nothing, um, and so I bought it for four k, and it's been whittled down, and I've been whittled down as a person the last year and a half, and. That's okay. You, you know, it's not the first time. But anyways, I have 5-4, comes 10-7-5, all spades. We all check. Shrimp was the pre-flop raiser. Turns a 7, I go ahead and bet here to deny equity. And he calls. Pre-flop raiser didn't bet the flop with players behind. And now calls. Okay, so that's interesting. He's going to have a lot of like nut flush draw here. And the river is an offsuit king. I don't love this. He could have ace king, I suppose. Um, but I'm going to blocker bet, and I don't think he can he can raise uh, many hands for value. That's what blocker bets do. I'm not a huge fan of them in general, but this seemed like a good spot, and he went all in on ten seven five seven king, and I found the payoff with five four offsuit. Because he's just not repping hardly anything in terms of value. He would likely bet on the flop or raise the turn with a flush. So take flushes out. Pocket kings, I think he would bet the flop. Okay, so take out kings full. Does he have sevens? Does he have a lot of sevens in his range? Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure if those jam. You know, there's a flush out there. They might just raise for value. Um, they get king seven offsuit. I ran into one of the hands that makes sense, and, and you know, if you're giving the preflop raiser a lot of king seven off in their in their range, then maybe maybe you can find a fold here. I don't think this was terrible. It looks terrible. I know that because people just look at the absolute value of hands almost always. I look at the relative value. I look at what my opponent can have, and you know, I, I look at more than that what you know what I can have and obviously I can have better hands here but not a lot of shoves make sense for value 
and plenty do against a really small bet as a bluff. And shrimp is very capable of bluffing. So I think the call is actually fine. It just looks horrible to the untrained eye. And it's off to rebuy corner I go. So I am staked when I when I play on stream. And I have a 20K stop loss on Mondays and 25 on Thursdays. And so I'm down four. And I got 16 left. And it's early on. And I grabbed six. I don't know. I... I, I I'm tired of being so shallow. It's it's really handcuffed me. I don't need to take every edge available at the table, but I'm losing, and so now it's time to play a little bit better. And, and that means be a little bit deeper, if possible. Okay, take another sip of water, and then we'll, we'll talk about this second buy-in. So when you've been running well, the sense of entitlement creeps in your head every time. And so when you're when you're not running well, when you're running into boats and whatnot, the tendency is to feel bad for yourself. And I get a good hand. King 10 diamonds, I three bet Rocky, who opened late. She calls. It comes queen nine three. So I have a gut shot to the nuts. And I decide to check. And I, I like checking out of position. It almost puts me in position if I do it as a default in a lot of spots where I'm checking everything here. So it's kind of like you're going first and I get to like read you and react. And she bets and I don't know. I don't think I don't think she's light. I don't think I need to go for a raise. I think I need to call and reevaluate. Maybe just hit a jack. Bink. Nope. The turn is uh, pairs the bottom card. I check. She bets again. The flush also gets there. And I fold. And she had ace queen, so uh, that, that's that's I'm playing a little bit better. And then I three bet her with ace four offsuit, and Johnny cold calls, and, and and Charlie had it right that I was trying to isolate and then um, you know bluff her post flop. I, I've been doing that. I've been doing that for 15 years, ever since I moved to Las Vegas in 2008, and the, the buy-ins were uncapped. I realized. <clears throat> That all these, you know, all these pros out there were good. You know, they knew how to play poker, but they were insecure. Not all of them, but many of them. And they would buy in for way too much for their comfort zone. So when when they would open, I would just three bet and get it heads up. And then at some point, uh, their risk aversion would really hinder their ability to win the pot. And, and, you know, I wouldn't go for it every single time, but, you know, the small bet and then the over bet and then, holy shit, I don't, I don't know. Like, we have 10,000, we have 15, we have 20,000. I don't really want to stack off one pair. I'm just going to fold, and you know, and yeah. So I'm kind of doing that here, but we're not super deep, so I have to do it small. Johnny cold calls, ruins my plan. He flops a ton of equity, turns more equity, and I have to fold. Um, and then I flop top pair, no kicker. And I bet it twice. Well, most people only bet it once. And Dr. P calls twice with top pair no kicker as well. And then Drew gets it in terrible against DK and gets all the chips. He hit a two-outer, I believe. Yeah. And he's been doing that. He's been running so hot all in. Um, you know, sometimes he's getting cooler. But once he gets it all in, he's getting there. And, you know, that's when poker's really fun. Uh, and then and then DK, who just got stacked by the improbable two-outer, uh, hits a three-outer against me. 
and I make a good fold. And so, you know, sessions where you're making good folds, it feels kind of good. But the problem is you don't see it <laughs> until the next day, in my case, when I review. You know, I, I, I open up my laptop, I put on the show, and I hit the right arrow to go through all my hands and take notes. Oh, that was a good fold. You don't know in the moment, and you don't know if you don't play on stream. That's one of the, the, the best benefits of playing on stream is you can evaluate your play against their actual hands. And, you know, you, you can't be too results-oriented, but it's nice to know that you made the right decision against their actual hand. So then an interesting spot comes up where Jay, who's been very quiet in the ninth seat, shows some preflop aggression, and I gamble with queen nine suited. Yeah, you know, it's we're on stream, I'm the host, I'm going to give action. Comes queen eight X, and he bets small, and when he bets, my 30, 40, 50,000 hours at the, the, the poker table, I just know that my queen is good. You know, I just, some, some bets he's going to make, I'm going to be very um, cautious moving forward. Here, I know that I have the best hand. When I say no, that just means like I really think I do. And I, I have to, you know, go with what I think. That's how you play poker. So then, then the question is, will this guy give me action on future streets? Will he continue to bet his worse hand than mine? No, I don't think he will. And so I just go for a check min raise, and he folds jacks. He makes a good fold, but it's also a good raise because he's not going to continue betting, and so you're just giving him a free look in that situation. I'm not going to donk bet the turn. So it, it, And it's, it's almost the same, right? A, a flop check raise is almost the same as uh, a stop and go. If you think about it, you can call the flop and leave the turn. Well, it's the same as check raising the flop. And what that does is it denies equity. And yes, Jax only has two outs, but it has, it has you know, runner, runner outs. And if he's not going to put m more money in unimproved, I like it a lot. I like the min raise. It's super exploitative. And that's what I am at the poker table. Um, then I three bet King Jack of Clubs, DK and, and Drew call with cheese, it feels like. Flop comes ace four deuce with a club. Um, so I, I'm not, you know, I'm not in love with this flop. But I bet small and uh, DK practically min raises and, and Drew calls. And I decide neither of them have an ace. But also this isn't the, the crew to bluff. DK is going to have some hand like four or five. I think that's actually exactly what he had. But that's the first hand that comes to mind. And uh, Drew's going to have a gutter, flush trial, something like that. And they, they had that. So I actually called with King Jack. I called the check raise. I overcalled because I was getting great price. And I had the equity. That feels good when you look at it to know that, you know, if you're just telling someone a hand history, yeah, I three bet King Jack of clubs. It came ace four deuce with a club. And I bet... And I got check raised and someone called. Well, obviously you fold. Well, no, not, not in this situation uh, because I thought I had enough equity to continue. And I also thought the best path forward was just a call because I'm never getting DK to fold a pair in a gutter. And yeah, he's just going to jam if I if I three bet the flop. So that was good. And then at 215.24, 
it is my worst play, officially my worst play. I limped 10-7 offsuit. That's awesome. And, and, and I'm being sincere. If you are a more skilled and a more experienced player than, than your table mates, I, I like conceding EV all over the place. And just I limp dark all the time. So and I and I limp bad hands after looking at them sometimes too. Okay, so I have 10 7 offsuit. That's awesome. Just get in there for 40. Johnny goes to 240. It doesn't mean a whole lot. People just raise hands when they want to. Yara calls. Okay. She's got a decent hand. Dr. P calls. I'm gonna go ahead and put in the extra 200, closing the action. There's a thousand thirty out there. The flop comes queen nine seven. I have bottom pair. And Dr. P checks. I check. Johnny checks, and Yara bets 300, just about 30% of the pot. Dr. P folds, and I'm going to call here, of course, with bottom pair and backdoor straight draws. And I really thought when she bet that she had jack-10, even though I have 10-7, I'm blocking it. I really thought she did, and you can even hear me saying, if an 8 comes, you win. Okay, but the turn, and Johnny folded. The turn's a 7. I turn trips, and I fucking check it to her. What I did against Jay that was right is assess this guy's not going to continue betting with worse. And therefore, the best play is to check min-raise and deny equity. Here, Yara is not going to bet that card. And so you're giving her a free look. With, with the 10-7 on queen nine seven seven, This is a spot to lead and lead, you know, whatever amount you want to try and get value. But I just didn't think it through. And, and I just, you know, you just do it sometimes. You click a button. And I just click check and like, ugh, why did I check here? Because I really thought she had jack 10. And so she's just going to take her free card. And the thing about jack 10 is if she makes... A straight, it comes via king or eight, and those don't boat me up. So, say you have seven eight on queen nine seven seven. That's a much better check, or even king king seven. Those are much better checks than uh, ten seven because you're just giving her a free card, and if she hits, she beats your trips. So, I knew it in the moment. It was terrible. I I had I called out her hand in a way you know she didn't understand because she doesn't speak English very well. And I said, if an eight comes, you win. And, and that's right. But I gave her a free card, and it didn't, it didn't cost me. She didn't bink. And, but it cost me the 400 or whatever I could have got from her. Um, it's okay. I don't, I'm not going to be hard on myself, but it was, it was a really bad play. And, you know, I'm losing on the night, and I try and play a little bit better when I'm losing, a little worse when I'm winning. And then I had an interesting hand where... The board double paired. It came queen, queen, X. I had ace, eight, DK bet, I called. The turn was a 10 of clubs. Flush got there. Check, check. And the river's a 10. And I bluff with ace high just to fold out chops, really. And uh, he called with a flush on double paired board. So I'm running into some hands. And I'm losing. But, you know, I, I have a few K. I'm only down like six or 7,000. And then I just... Start picking up little pots and start building that stack. And it, and it started with a double board PLO bomb pot where I got it in with a set against a straight and I filled up and I got half the pot in a multi-way pot. And that, that those are nice. I think I won. 
I, I won close. I might have won two k there. I might have won like fifteen hundred or something. Um, but that you know that that got me started. It was kind of an all in spot. I didn't think it came um, queen nine eight on one of the boards, and I had pocket nines, and no one bet the flop. And then Doctor P bet the turn, and so I had to get the money in. Um, and he said he, he misread his hand. That's why I didn't bet the flop. So yeah. You know, variance works in so many different ways. He misread his hand, didn't bet the flop, and therefore I misread him on the turn thinking he doesn't have a straight. And I, so I got in with a set against a straight, and I didn't have much on the other board, and I and I filled up. And so I got lucky. I double repeal a bomb pot, and sometimes getting lucky in a hand can turn things around. And I started playing well after that, pretty well. And I made my best play at 409, my best play of the year. This is the last drop of sessions for 2023, for season six. This is, um, well, there's been more than 100 drops, but this is the last one of the year. And how fitting is it that my best play is in the last drop? Best play of the whole year. And it's at 409 if you want to check it out. So we play five hours. There's a 30-minute countdown. So 409 means we've been playing for three hours and 39 minutes, give or take. Okay, and it's 10-20-40 with a $20 big blind ante. Rocky raises 140 in the cutoff. I have three better a lot. And uh, uh, yeah, I'm trying to isolate her quite a bit. But here I'm out of position and I have a good hand. I have 7-6 suited. And, and it's good to be three betting these sometimes out of position as well. These suited connectors. I'm not, you know, as I mentioned earlier, I'm not like a big believer in balance, but I am a big believer in deception. And so when you do, for me, I'm not, I'm not like trying to balance my range. I'm trying to have a hand they don't think I have when I three bet, you know, they're going to think I have big cards or, or a big pair or something. Uh, so anyway, seven, six suit is just a nice looking hand, isn't it? And she Hollywood, she she says, you're bullying me, this and that, and then goes to 1500 Okay, so at this point, I'm pretty certain she's got the starting hand, aces. Yeah, it just, she's too calm, and okay, but she didn't go that big. She went to 1500 so it's 880 more. Could I fold? I could consider it if I wasn't on stream. If you fold that on stream... No, the chat pros, will, they'll knock on your door the next day and, and they'll fucking come for you. So you're going to gamble. And this is something to do not not just on stream, but in any game. It's just, it's good to give action. And so I call. 3,070 in the middle, 7-6 spades. The flop comes out 3-4-5 with two spades. Holy shit. I flopped the nuts like super pros do. This is what your favorite poker players do. Garrett, Mariano, whoever. They just, you know, have the 7-6 suited out of position against aces and flop the nuts. Okay, well, you know, Magic the dealer didn't realize it was me and not one of them. And I flopped the nuts. Holy shit. I check it over to her. She bets 1300 you know, into into... 3K. I, I give her a little tiny subtle acting job where I want her to think 
that I'm putting her on Ace King. And I call. And also, we are playing the seven deuce game. So there's a chance. I don't play, I don't play with her a ton, and I'm blocking seven deuce, but you know, not, not super hard. It's not like I have pocket sevens. So that's a good flop. Three, four, five for, for seven deuce. It's a good, you know, it's a reasonable flop for ace king, but I really just think she has aces. And I decide uh, there are no turn cards where she won't go all in if I check to her. I just decide that given the stacks. So I just call the 1300. And the turn is a 10 of clubs. And I check. And she goes all in, and I'm in the zone. I'm in the motherfucking zone. I am Steph Curry on the basketball court. Um, Shohei Otani in the batter's box. And so on. I'm in the zone, man. I immediately ask for a count. And I hold my shit together. For a good 30 seconds. And these people I play with, they like me. Crazy Drew, Johnny, you can see them. And they're quiet. They're trying to give me time and peace so I can make a good decision. And not one motherfucker on the planet, aside from those watching the show, thinks I'm slow rolling. And that's what makes great slow roll often when I'm slow rolling someone will have a suspicion that I'm slow rolling but not here no one does they're worried about me Johnny and Drew are worried I'm going to pay off the girl who obviously has aces with you know pocket jacks or something like that they're fucking worried everyone's anxious and quiet and I'm thinking so hard about how long can I how long can I slow roll for how long until I have to put the call in is Rocky going to be upset I have to gamble that she won't be this is a show slow rolls are the shit and when I finally called she, she was happy turn over those aces at that point I had to show her the 7-6 you're drawing dead Rocky you got slow rolled welcome to the big leagues kid so that's it my best play of the year by far and this is how I think about poker it's not something I nerd out on I used to way back in the day nah I'm just trying to live my life, and poker's a part of it. Have fucking fun. Put on a show. And I was very, very, very proud. And I, and, I, and I normally have no pride in anything. But I was very, very proud of my composure throughout that slow roll. My, I sold that shit. Those guys are fucking nervous for me. They never shut the fuck up. They yap about whatever. Johnny's had 12 McAllen 12s. Drew's crazy fucking Drew. But they're worried. They know my financial situation. And Rocky's begging for a fucking call. And you know what? She got one. So let me take a sip of 
water. That was that was my best play of the year. Okay. So I should have I almost should have just like got up and had Tita put my chips in a rack. I mean, what are you gonna do? That that's a mic drop moment. Um well what I did is I made a really good fold against Danny right after where I flopped top pair and raised and the turn uh gave him a flush and he bet and I folded. And then I had Ace King and I three bet shrimp and Yara called four eighty or so and shrimp went to twenty six hundred. And Ace King is too strong to fold, I think. But and the stacks were too deep to shove unless I think he's getting out of line a lot. I did not. Why? He's not going to be getting a lot out of line once Yara calls the 480. He has to have something really good here. And so this is, you know, this is live poker. When, when you know they have, even the guy who's very, very capable, he's been making it 2200 with seven deuce offsuit all night. He jammed the first hand all in dark. You know this guy's capable, but you also know this is different. He's not out of line here at all. This ace king does not want to get all in. At best, he has queens. At best. And so I called and Yara folded. 2,600 came. Deuce, deuce, three. And he stared at me and shoved. And I was thinking about calling. Um, just for a few seconds, though. And then, and then I just said, no, why, why would you change your read? Your read is super strong. He had queens. So I could have got it all in pre-flop and flipped. And against his actual hand... It's fine, obviously. But against his range, I think it would have been bad. I think that was the worst he showed up with there. He's not doing that with jacks. And just because you have ace-king doesn't mean they don't have aces or kings. <laughs> I've, I've run into aces or kings with ace-king a bunch this year. So I, I folded the flop. I lost 2,600. I could have easily lost like another 7K. And I value town myself at the end. I had ace-jack and... Um, Rocky had seven deuce. She got a little revenge. It came jack deuce deuce, and the flush got there. I just went for thin value. I value time myself, and that's fine. She she got a little payback, but I played seventy percent of hands for five hours. That's work, man. That is fucking work right there. Um, I raised twenty five percent of them, and I won seven k. Just exactly what I saved, pretty much, by not uh, jamming ace king against shrimp and you know that's 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 results right of course because uh you know i could have i could have won with the ace king against queens but i talked about it's nice to see what they actually had but you don't want to make all your decisions um based on their actual hand or you don't want to evaluate all your decisions based on their actual hand his range was super strong, so I, I really like my decision. I think Charlie was suggesting fold maybe pre. Um, it's an option, but not on stream, of course. And, yeah, we played for one dealer after, and I coolered shrimp. He three-bet me, and I called with 9-8 suit, and it came ace-8-8. And he just open-jammed all his chips with ace-queen. And I, I called, obviously, and... Um, stacked them. So I won 14500 on the session. And that's not bad. I'm going to read you my goals and then a few, few other things to say. I set three goals at the beginning of each year. At least I've been doing that for a while now. 
um, as mentioned, I hit the, the bottom in life. And always, in 2017, I started a podcast with a psychiatrist in 2018. Um, I did it as a favor uh, to, to pay back his favor of giving me a side job so I could keep my kids in, in their home, even though I didn't have one. Um, and then I liked it, and people liked the way I talked or my voice or something and said, you're good at this. And then I started sessions in 2018, a few months after solicited advice podcast. That was, that was the one I did with my psychiatrist friend. And it was just something to hold myself accountable. I, you hit the bottom and I've been playing, you know, high stakes poker for, for a very long time. And when you're spiraling to the bottom you don't, you don't even, at least in my experience, you don't even realize it. And I, once you hit the bottom, you get all this clarity. And that, that's what I got, is that, holy shit, I'm fucked. Over a quarter million in debt. Didn't even realize I was accruing it. Just, it was all a blur. And, you know, you start with your, your priorities. Priority one, keep your kids in their spot, in their nice spot. And who cares if you're going to be bouncing around and, um, you know, if, if you're going to be occasionally be, you know, sleeping in your car and when you want to spend time with them, you got to get a dingy motel room and you're going to be scraping by and hustling your ass off to, to you know, to keep them in their spot. That's that's party one. And then you, you want to get a spot. And I, and I got a spot. So season one, I did, I did not have one. Season two, I did not have one. Season three, I did not have one for a while. And then I, I, I got a granny flat. And it was just like the biggest upgrade in my life. Instead of, you know, staying at the Roadway Inn or the Ramada. And, you know, I got my kids in there and it's Corona. You can't go outside at the beginning. No one knew about this virus. And, you know, e even Corona aside, it's just... You know, your kids are like, what's that noise? And, oh, that's that's a hooker outside negotiating with a customer. Or that's a guy trying to get a dime bag at 3 in the morning, go back to sleep. Um, so in, in season 3, midway through, I got that. I got that granny flat, a residence, an address. And th that was nice. And it... And it and it, you know, it settled my kids down quite a bit. I was happy to keep them in their spot. And then I wanted them to see that their their dad was going to make it and, you know, show that their dad had a little stability. This granny flat, it's not nice. To, and it wasn't really nice at all. But, and it was, you know, the people above us sucked and whatever. And then season four, um made some progress and got hired by um, Hustler Casino Live and then Hustler. And, and okay, so now it makes sense to get an apartment. And that, that was nice. And so you just kind of, you kind of go with what's most vital and then you work your way up and you, you got to live yeah, you're trying to make a comeback and pay off debt, but you got to fucking live and needed a place up here in Long Beach. I got that. 
And so the focus is on the on the debt. And it, and it went down to about 100K and went back up to 190 or so. That's where it's currently at. I wanted it to be zero. That's why I put The End. Uh, I chose the song The End by The Doors for the intro and outro to this year. I, I've had a different song each year. I had um, Session by The Offspring for season one, you know, Session. Uh, season two, I had Working Class Hero by John Lennon. Season three, um, Almond Brothers, All Night Train. That's what I knew as a podcaster. And, and in my mind, I drove the spew train. I know I'm spewy, not just at the poker table, but in my content. I don't stop. I just go. And, and I realized my job was never to be perfect, never to have a great vocabulary, never to be correct or rational in all my drops, but to simply provide an escape so that when you hear my podcast, when you listen to it for for whatever amount of minutes it goes that day, whether you, it makes you upset or happy or inspires you or even makes you sad or angry, my only goal is that you're not thinking about your own shit. Nope. We all need a break from our own shit. So if my shit can give you a break from your shit, that's 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 it. That's the goal. That's the game. So I decided I drive the spew train. That's what that's what this podcast is. Pick you up wherever you are, wherever you're at, and then you know get on board and we'll, and we'll get to Escapeville. Sometimes it'll take forty minutes, fifty, an hour, hour ten, hour thirty, whatever. We got to get there, and then. Season four, I really was focused on goals, and I wanted to save the princess. I wanted to turn my life into a video game. The only video game I've ever been good at, Super Mario Brothers, OG. I could save the princess, and not because I was talented at video games, because I just, I kept trying and trying and trying and trying and, and obsessed over it, and I would save the princess. And so that's when you have this impossible comeback to make, it's good to think of it in different ways. And to turn your life into a video game is just something that made sense to me. And so I, I used uh, Holding Out for a Hero. I don't even know who that singer is. Is it Bonnie Raitt? I don't even know if that's what the song's called. But kind of like, that's the princess, and I, and I need to save her. And then um, season five was... Return of the G by Outkast. Um, and that's just like, okay, I spent four years playing 2-5 and 5-10. And, you know, occasionally when things were real low, 1-2 or 1-3 at like the Orleans or the Golden Nugget. And, well, now I'm back to where I spent most of my career in... Uh, you know, 10, 20, 40, and, and, and bigger. And things really went well for a while in season five. I really was becoming healthier, sleeping better, eating better, working out, crushing in poker again, 
really making this comeback happen, and it got thrown off with Jack Four. Can't tell you how much that shit fucked me up. I mean, I can tell you. I have told you. If you listen to this podcast, you know. It fucked me up in all ways. It made me feel stuff I never felt before. Violence. Fuck, the violence is gross, man. But I felt it. I felt evil one night. Shit fucked me up. Everyone calling me a cheater when I'm the opposite of that. Uh-uh. I, I don't cut any corners. I go the long route. The route that's going to make me feel good. Always. And then, you know, I thought maybe, okay, Jack Force suck, but get your shit together for, for 2023, season six. Fucking get your shit together and let's finish the job. What started out as an impossible comeback. It is, man. You got you, you got to keep your kids in their nice home in this really nice neighborhood because you moved them there for the for the schools. They're the best schools in San Diego. That's why you moved them there. And you give everything to your kids. And so Yeah. So it's impossible. You're you're buried in fucking debt. You have no bankroll. You don't feel like borrowing anymore because you don't trust the cards anymore. You trust your ability. You, you know you can soul read any motherfucker at the table. You can trick them. You can do math quickly. Um, but you don't trust the cards. So it's kind of an impossible comeback, isn't it? You got no residence. Stuck. Buried. In debt. Over a quarter million. Um, and then you... You know, luckily attract some angels that, you know, keep you going and, and you work your ass off and you become a podcaster out of, out of, out of, out of necessity, I guess. I had that job as a forensic assistant and that was keeping my kids in their spot. But then that job ended. Okay, you better get back to fucking winning at poker and you better pour everything you have into your podcast and and I have I've rec- there's over a thousand drops on the RSS feed that's what you get when you sign up at patreon.com slash DGAF poker player you get over a thousand hours well over a thousand hours and I used to set up recording studios everywhere motels I would I would take the two beds and make them like a TP and uh, yeah so it became less impossible once I had another stream of income, but still pretty impossible. And then when I got hired by this this new stream, and I met Sean Yapel, that's when things changed. It become it became ine- inevitable, and I was crushing. And then Jack Four fucking threw me off. Um, and the goal was to get it done this year, and I didn't. Zero debt. I still got, you know, 193 or so. I wanted to win 35 times on stream. I only won 31. I won 31 out of 52 sessions. It's about 60%. I wanted to win 70. Um, and I wanted to weigh 219 or less by the end of the year. Uh, when I got thrown off, I, I gained a bunch of weight. I couldn't sleep. And I started eating way beyond just because I'm hungry. And I've, I've, I've had a tough time breaking that habit and getting back to good sleep. Not only because of the, the, the Jack Force shit, but I've just picked up more and more grinds to try and get this thing done. So 
I started the year at my heaviest, 257.7. I wanted to get to 219. I'm at 259.5. Just weighed myself before I hit record. So 0 for 3 on the goals, but, you know, you heard it in the intro all year. Never give up, no matter what. And if you want to hear what happens next in this impossible comeback story, that's what it was, at least, at the beginning. Um, you sign up at patreon.com slash DGAF Poker Player and become a patron. And just uh, one thing I want to say in closing, not only thank you to all the Patrons and everyone else who supports me, but some people really pissed me off heading into this week. And it made me realize I'm still very much a pawn. I need to get across that board and get some powers. I don't have any. I don't have leverage. And so if people want to treat you like a pawn and you're a pawn, the only thing you can do is take it. Take it, remember it, and make sure you get across that board. And then use your powers on all the nits in the world if you can. And when I say nits, I don't mean tight poker players. I mean those who infringe upon others. Those who take but don't give. Fuck them. They're what's wrong with the world. Not just in, a, in the poker world, but the real world. And I got to get across the board get some powers. I need to get out of debt. I need to start accumulating wealth. I need to start using it in very positive and productive ways. And yeah, I'm either going to do that. I'm going to get across the board and, and do good in this world, or I'm going to die trying. As 50 Cent might say, if he was a poker player. Either way, leave the fat lady alone. Because this shit ain't over, not even close. See y'all in 2024. This is the end. Beautiful I hope you enjoyed this drop of sessions. This is the end. Head on over to patreon.com slash DGAF Poker Player to get the entire story. When you sign up for all the content, you also get membership to DGAF Community, an online community of communal folk. I hope to see you over there. Otherwise, just kidding. That shit was dramatic. But seriously, we are building something beautiful at DGAF Community. No nits, which means no parasites, no trolls, no haters, no judgment. Just two-way streets, equality, acceptance, and lots and lots of fun. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it?